Well, welcome back to the Reading and Writing Podcast. My guest today is Kaylee Bright, author of the new young adult fantasy novel, Unfortunate. She also has her own podcast, Bright and Ambitious. Kaylee, welcome to the podcast. Glad to be here, Jeff. Sure. Well, if someone hasn't yet heard about your novel, Unfortunate, how would you describe the novel? So I would describe it as a YA contemporary fantasy story about bravery despite fear. It's a fantasy world similar to our own with magic realism, royalty, and social unrest. And do you remember the original idea or impetus that led you to write Unfortunate? Yes, this book has been five years in the making. It's gone through multiple drafts, revisions, and what have you, because I started so early in my life. Um, I just wasn't at the point where I am now to actually publish it. So the pedagogical moment that decided this version especially was when I was on a school bus, and it was just raining outside. And I just let my imagination, you know, kind of flow. And for some reason, I pictured this girl working in the rain. And I started to wonder why she was working out there and what was she doing. And the world of Iridian just kind of um, spiraled from there. And so had you written fiction before you got this idea while you were sitting on the school bus? Yes, yes. I've been a writer for essentially my whole life. My grandmother was a huge advocate for me to kind of cultivate my writing. And what's really funny is I started I started really getting into writing when I was 13 and I wrote fan fiction on like the popular Wattpad website. That's great. And and so had you written a full-length novel before you wrote Unfortunate? Technically, yes. Um, if you count if you count Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle fan fiction, that was like seventy two chapters, and I even <laughs> made a sequel because I was that confident in myself <laughs> as a teenager. Uh, and I've also published Unfortunate as the Diviner when I was eighteen, but I wasn't proud of it. And honestly. Like looking back, I'm not entirely sure why I was so keen on rushing that process, but I'm I'm happy to publish it as as it is now. Gotcha. And and so, what appeals to you about writing young adult novels? Oh my goodness, young adult novels are so much fun. You can like, especially when it comes <laughs> to the fantasy setting, you really have a lot of freedom to just um, allow your imagination, as I do, to just spiral to expand and what's really cool too about the young adult genre is how you can write stories about like coming of age with fantastical um, elements intertwined and and so can you talk a little bit more about kind of your learning process from writing teenage mutant ninja turtle fan fiction to um today now having um, your novel, Unfortunate, published. What was the learning process for you about writing fiction? There was a huge writing, like learning process throughout. Like kind of how I mentioned before that it took a long time for me to be happy with the story and how I presented myself, even. So, switching from fan fiction to general fiction or just like original works in general. 
was something that I decided to do early in high school. So I started TMNT when I was 13 and then kind of switched over to original works when I was about 16. And the reason why was because I kind of, at that point, fan fiction wasn't something that could be publishable. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to kind of, you know, start writing my own stories and, um, Sure. In college, especially, that was when I actually got to understand how to write. So there was the whole, oh, yeah, I have this imagination. How do I put that on paper? College with my writing minor and writing classes, that <laughs> that definitely put a lot more into, spe- into perspective of how you actually write. Sure. And And what was your writing process when you were working on Unfortunate? Did you outline the novel extensively or did you just dive into the narrative? I'm definitely an organized person. So I, it's very difficult for me to just dive into a narrative. I will say it is easy to dive into a scene or chapter, but I make sure to plan out exactly what I want to do first and give myself just like a little bit of wiggle room to see Um, what characters do because sometimes I expect them to do something that doesn't actually happen and the reason why is because you just allow your characters to grow and become their own people got you and and so can you uh do you have early readers who who give you feedback on what you're writing or or when you were working on unfortunate yes so I wrote the original draft, first draft, completed. And then I reached out to some of my friends and family members who have English backgrounds and asked them to beta read. And that include people like my writer friend, Joel, my grandmother, who's also a librarian, um, one of my lander professors who was in the English department. And it was super helpful to see, I don't want to say cracks because that might have some bad connotations, but it was really interesting to see my work through their eyes and see how they processed it, especially since, you know, we get so used to our story that we don't even realize when we're missing details or something doesn't fully make sense um, and what have you. And so are you working on a new novel now? I am. I'm trying to concentrate on marketing Unfortunate at the moment since it just got published um, about a few days ago on the 27th of December. Um, but I, it is part of a planned trilogy. So I am currently wrapping up the story outline organization for book two. And so can you tell us about your podcast that I mentioned earlier, Bright and Ambitious? Of course. So Bright and Ambitious is something that I created um, during this last semester to not only kind of like promote myself and maybe get myself out there, but I also wanted to cultivate and I wanted to cultivate writers as well as, oh my goodness, I had the word and I lost it. I apologize. That's okay. okay. I can, I can edit it. That's fine. (laughs) If you, if you just want to, do you want me to ask the question again? Um, no, let me try again. Okay, sure. Not a problem. Thank you. So I wanted to not only cultivate new writers and readers, 
but I also wanted to involve myself in the writing community. And so it seemed the best way to do that was to create my own podcast where we have a very casual conversation about what it means to be a writer, um, what do we need to do, maybe even some tips in the writing process, what, and et cetera. And so what writing advice would you offer for those who are working on their own stories and novels? Oh my goodness, there's there's so many different <laughs> things that I wish I could tell my past self. I think the most important thing that I had to learn for me and I hope to give to other authors especially is that you need to give yourself time. And there's two parts to that. The first part is you need to give yourself time to grow. As I kind of mentioned before with my first publication, it completely failed because I wasn't confident in it. I wasn't confident in myself to promote the book. I wasn't confident in my writing skills at that point. And I only rushed it because it was a childhood dream of mine. And I thought that you know this, this was my moment and this would be my mm-hmm. only moment. But that, that wasn't the case. So I heavily, heavily suggest that you give yourself time to grow as a writer and grow as someone who can actually share with others your writing. So when you do publish, it's a book you can be proud of, the way I'm proud of Unfortunate. And the second part of giving yourself time is that you you need to give yourself time to actually write. For me, I am both a full-time author and full-time student. I'm going to be graduating this semester So who knows what I'm going to be doing as a full-time job, but I know it's going to be something um, additional to being a full-time author. So in order to be that, you need to actually write the book. And (laughs) time time slips away, so you just need to give that to yourself. Sure. Well, what novels or nonfiction books have you read recently that you enjoyed? Ooh, so it's it's been a little difficult to read lately, I'm not going to lie, especially just like really diving into my own work. If I had if I had to say um a fiction and nonfiction. Let's see. Does it have to be recent? No, no. In, in anything that you've read, it, it doesn't matter when it was published. <laughs> okay. Okay, I don't know why, but the first thing I thought of was The Awakening by Kate Chopin. That is one of my favorite books of all time, and I've been trying to um, convince myself and give myself time <laughs> to reread it. That's great. Well, where can people find you online if they would like to learn more about you and your novel? So I am on social media. My username is at Ambitious in Pink because pink has been something that's been very dear to my heart and my in my personal growth. I am on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter. You can find me on LinkedIn at Kaylee Bright. I also have a website now called KayleeBright.com. So that is K-A-I-L-E-Y Bright.com. There you can um, find links to purchase Unfortunate, such, such as places like Amazon, Barnes & Noble. You can even get signed copies through me character stickers and find out what kind of gifted you are. That's great. Well, again, we've been speaking with Kaylee Bright, author of the new young adult fantasy novel, Unfortunate, 
The novel is on sale now, so go buy a copy. And Kaylee, thanks for doing this interview. Of course. Thank you for having me. Great. Now, stay tuned as Kaylee Bright reads from her novel, Unfortunate. Chapter 1. Property of Montgomery House Rain splattered against the Montgomery Mansion, each drop the same as the last, no different from eight years prior. Like all other servants of Iridian, I could recall my choosing ceremony within an instant from a seemingly random trigger. I saw in other servants' eyes when their house came over, how their eyes widened, expand, and darkened, how their bodies stiffened in odd postures as the recollection began, and how their bodies loosened back to normality as the recollection ended and numbed. I'd seen it when a bird chirped, when a particular gifted yelled too loudly, when someone laughed or cried a certain way, or even on clear days when nothing could possibly go wrong. For me, the rain commanded the memory to flourish from its dark corners, flashing in fragments every now and then as the wind grew stronger, as thunder and lightning shattered the sky. I could hardly look out the window without becoming completely immobile. There used to be another servant who comforted me during these rainy episodes, but you're gone now. Instead, I distracted myself with the routine morning chores around the house before the Montgomerys arose from their beds, polishing all open surfaces of the house, polishing them again for good measure, and kindling a fire in the living and foyer areas on opposite sides of the manor. The fire crackled to life. Satisfied, I left it to grow, consume, and brighten. Entering the kitchen, a breakfast menu formed in my mind. Someone cleared his throat from above. I craned my neck upwards. Mr. Montgomery, head of the Montgomery house, stood at the staircase, peering down at me with his distinct yellow eyes. Even with cane in hand, he kept his posture straightened and professional. I did the same. Good morning, Mr. Montgomery, I greeted, bowing to him. Any requests for breakfast, sir? The gutters were not cleared yesterday before the storm. Had I not cleaned them yesterday? No. That was a task originally set for this upcoming Monday. Right right away, sir. Mr. Montgomery's already narrowed eyes squinted dangerously thinner. Is that a problem? No, no. I waved my arms violently in front of me, my voice elevated. It'll be done before breakfast, sir. Good, asserted Mr. Montgomery. Remember, Mr. Harris and Mr. Walton will be here today. The house must look perfect for their arrival. I nodded, no longer trusting my voice. If I awoke Melanie now and moved the first laundry duties immediately afterwards, maybe the storm would pass before I ever had to step foot outside. But Mr. Montgomery didn't leave. Waiting. Watching. I took a trash bag from under the sink and begrudgingly walked towards the manor entrance, placing one foot shakenly in front of the other. Closer now, I could no longer ignore the sound that came with rain. Harsh winds whistled through the door hinges. I halted as a memory flashed. My mother placed a decorative pin behind my ear. I jolted, patting my hair for a piece that was no longer there. Taking in a deep breath, I opened the door. My eyes caught sight of the dark blue coloring of the world. I inhaled sharply, the muscles along my spine instinctively tightening. A pale pink dress, huddled, crammed together with other dresses, other unfortunate girls. I blinked, and the outside yard came back into focus. I left the safety of the manor. 
Droplets drilled into my skin, drenching the pink dress my mother had bought for the special occasion. Gingerly moving through the stone walkway became futile. I slipped, fumbling on the cobblestone road in hopes of reaching the town square in time for the ceremony. I looped around to the side of the manor. The front yard garden stretched out before me. Remembering when the flowers automatically sprouted there, the work of an avalist contractor, I wondered how the lilies were holding up in such dark weather, desperate to cling on to a distraction. But the flowers were intact, unlike myself, swaying in the wind to the beat of every droplet. I moved on, stopping dead in my tracks as I caught sight of a ladder amidst the gray haze. Reaching forward, my feet sank into the garden mulch. Panic spread through my body with every heartbeat. If I was going to be picked, I could not appear dirty. We were divided by age. Forcibly aligned with other ten-year-old unfortunate girls, a city guard scoffed at my muddy shoes. We wore tacky, lavish outfits, dampened by the rain. Eyes glanced about nervously. I shook the memory away, turning my attention back to the task at hand. Thunder crackled above. I gripped the ladder for dear life. My chest tightened and didn't ease as the rumble faded into the distance. After several shaky breaths, I silently screamed at my left hand to move. It did followed hesitantly by the other as I advanced upwards towards the roof of the Montgomery Manor. Rain pelted downward in harsher waves, a loud booming noise erupted from above, followed by a strike of bright light that illuminated the roof. I screamed, hunching down and covering my ears. My fingers felt icy against my wet face. I silenced developed the sky once more as the thunder dissipated. Every nerve in my body spiked, telling me to leave, get off the roof and go back inside, where you'll be waiting for me. He would rub my shoulder, laugh off the situation, and tell me you'd brave the rain in my place. But you were gone, and the thought of leaving now was laughable. I didn't have that luxury. My body betrayed my desires, rising and walking towards the roof's edge. A thick buildup of dead, wet leaves greeted me. I reached in, my hands sinking into the mass as I made a mental note to clean the gutters earlier next summer. Transferring the mulch from the gutter to the trash bag, I ignored the dirt and grime as it crawled up my arms. One side complete. Hauling the trash bag to the back of the house, I began the process again. The gutters cleared, I cautiously moved down the ladder and towards the front of the house. What about this one? The mother asked, gesturing to a girl only two children away. The father frowned, but before he could respond, a gifted child stood directly in front of me with an excited grin on her face. Mother, she called. Look at this one. The gifted child pointed straight at my unfortunate heart. I held back a flinch. The parents turned their attention to me, their eyes blank and noses raised. What is it, sweetie? The mother asked. Molly sees something she likes, commented the father, as the gifted child came closer and pushed me down. I hit the concrete hard. I stepped out to the red side without injury, placing the filled trash bag in a bin. Light began to pull through the clouds, the rain dulling to less droplets. My breath steadied, the choosing ceremony receding back into the dark corners of my mind. But it would come back, as it always did, when the sky broke out into tears. An unfortunate servant must carry out any and all orders given by their gifted house, and those their gifted house permits. An unfortunate, once selected from an annual choosing ceremony, becomes a faithful servant to the selected gifted house. An unfortunate cannot leave their current gifted house unless dismissed 
or released to another designated gifted house by a leading member of the current gifted house. All unchosen unfortunate girls and women are required to attend the annual choosing ceremony from the time they turn 10 years of age to the year of their 20th birthday. An unfortunate can be punished in any extremity their gifted house deems necessary and by those their gifted house permits. An unfortunate servant is permitted one Sunday off each month unless specified differently by their gifted house. An unfortunate cannot harm any gifted under any jurisdiction beneath divine power. Underneath the rules was a string of bold, capitalized letters declaring, Failure to uphold any and all laws is punishable by imprisonment and or death. You know what is required of you, yes? The mother inquired. I nodded, knowing the unfortunate laws of servitude like a brand on the back of my hand. Studying the six rules for almost a year now, my mother prepared me for my first choosing ceremony in the hopes of being chosen. I do, ma'am, 